recording with Dr. Andrew Huff on Monday, June 12th, 2023 at 6.24 p.m. Eastern Time. We are coming at you from an undisclosed location. Dr. Huff and I are both in a nuclear bunker uh, because we are the deep state. We are in control, and you guys are right. I'm controlled opposition. Dr. Huff is one of my minions, and uh, together, me, Dr. Huff, and Dr. Malone are taking down the Republic. I'm actually probably one of the best uh, CIA agents ever. Yeah. I've managed to convince at least 80% of the health freedom movement that I'm not CIA. I'm so CIA, I don't know I'm CIA. That's how good my training is, is I have truly forgotten my backstory, and I just think I'm a fucking guy named Tommy. That's how legit I am. I make Jason Bourne look like a pussy. Well, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, that was a great show. Thanks for coming on, Doc. Uh, Doctor Off. So, for everyone that doesn't know, your book, um, the uh, the truth about Wuhan, the link to that will be in the description, as, as so will be the link to uh, your Twitter. Real quick, could you just tell everyone who you are and and kind of what your background is, because it is pretty wild. Sure. So, I'm Doctor Andrew Huff. My doctorate is in epidemiology, specifically environmental health science, with an emerging infectious disease specialty track. So that means I. Uh, specialized in emerging infectious diseases, whether they be foodborne or bacteria or uh, any other pathogen you can think of. I'm, I'm dis- disease agnostic. Um, I got there by chance. I was an opportunist and I just chased um, different opportunities throughout my life. Before that, I had a master's degree in security technology. So I'm a bit of a, a geek and a nerd. I'm a pretty crappy engineer, but I know, I know enough to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. And my undergraduate degree um, was in psychology. And I was going to go on to be a psychologist and I started doing uh, clinical externships and i decided i had a terrible bedside manner i hated it and i really liked research though i love the psychological aspect excuse me the research aspect of psychology research and you know along this crazy path um what else so i started my career in the military i'm going a little bit backwards here jumping around but i served as an infantryman in operation iraqi freedom and operation enduring freedom in central america worked with a lot of spooky people down there really that's when i really got to see the world for what it is that's that was my moment uh the operation and during uh, freedom deployment where i saw what was really going on in the world and it, it hit me like a tw- ton of bricks i mean i think i was 20 21 years old and it was just so eye-opening i never really looked at the, uh, the world the same again so fast forward back to when i was a phd student i worked at the department of homeland security center of excellence at the university of minnesota where i became a expert in biowarfare bioweapons um, and my specialty was poisoning people at scale so how could I kill 250,000 people um, by poisoning the food supply? And so I became a niche expert in this. That's what I did my dissertation on. And I presented this all throughout Washington, D.C. And I was spending about one week on average per month in Washington, D.C., being introduced to all the different three-letter agency people that worked in national security. So I worked across all the different agencies, presented my work. And when I finished my program, in, in record pace, I might add, about two and a half years, which is almost unheard of for a Ph.D., they offered me, they said, basically, where would you like to work? And it was an open-ended question. I could go work anywhere in the government, corporate America. They were going to get me placed. Um, they were trying to push me into the State Department, wink, wink, CIA. And I actually really wanted to go work at Sandia National Laboratories, where I felt they were working on the most complex like tools in national security and platforms using intelligence to make all these really sophisticated predictive analytics stuff, which I was really into. Went and worked there and um, some of my funding fell through and not really that it fell through, but sequestration, there's a lot of budget cuts to the laboratories, a lot of the funding I was promised. 
um, didn't, didn't come through later on. And I really got sick of all my work being classified. <laughs> so when you're working in public health and infectious disease emergence and outbreaks, it's my opinion that none of that work should really be classified because diseases, when they start to spread, nobody wants to get sick. So you have to understand that there is no strategic benefit to keeping biosurveillance data secret or classified in some way, because you, the assumption is that nobody else wants to get sick. And the only way to stop an outbreak from spreading is to, to notify everyone as fast Good as possible in open source. Well, there's a number of different things that I didn't like about working in the classified space. And I'm like, I'm done working in the military defense um, complex. I'm going to go work somewhere else. And I started looking around and I found this awesome job at this place called Eco Health Alliance uh, as, as a senior scientist. And it was like exact. I mean, it was like the, the, the position description was was written for me. Maybe it was, but yeah, I know it's so you know, the things you learn about the world, but they're looking for somebody who had strong quantitative and modeling skills. They wanted someone who had field ecology and disease skills. They wanted someone who had environmental health skills. They, you know, so they, they had this impossible list of things. And I happened to check the box on all of them. I interviewed with Dr. Peter Daszak a few weeks after, apply, uh, uh, after applying over the telephone, was flown out, did the formal interview. The grilling academic PhD interviews are a really grueling process. I, I, I hate going through it. I mean, they're all-day events plus dinners. And um, they're really high stress because you're really being grilled as a scientist in every one of these meetings you go to. And I was offered the job about a week after I interviewed. And I was was actually hired to turn around this this data and technology team that was failing my previous uh the person who I was replacing who had just left had left on bad terms i didn't really know why and i was just massively massively successful um, i brought in about six or seven million dollars of funding in my first year many scientists don't do that within their entire career and at that time i was 32 i think 33 that's pretty young and i was promoted to vice president and that's when the wheels sort of came off the bus. So once I'm promoted to vice president, I start sitting in all the different meetings that are happening at the company. And I get to really see what's going on in other aspects of the company. See, I see what's happening financially. And everything is just a hot mess. And for the audience that hasn't heard of EcoHealth Alliance, this is the organization that funded the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So you might know where I'm going with this. So anyways, um, I decided to leave the organization because... There are just all sorts of non-kosher things happening. Dr. Peter Daszak um, was just a terrible ego, egomaniac and he couldn't be reasoned with. Um, he actually lied to me and tried to humiliate me publicly as a as an executive at the company when, you know, I don't really know why he even did it. But all these things I actually discuss in my book. And it was because of all my my knowledge up until that point. And that brings that brings up, brings me to about 2016 in my career. When COVID emerges in 2019, I quickly put all the pieces together what had happened because I had worked on the classified side of bioweapons, biological research. I really understood the programs and what was going on. I understood what the programmatic aspects and goals of the U.S. government. And I just figured it out. And it was a wild ride. I mean, the government came after me pretty hard um, in 2021 and 2022. Um, there's still some lingering hacks at occur. But anyways, that's all behind me now. We're, we're actually moving forward with a number of different lawsuits, which I'm involved with, and it seems to be increasing um, by the week now. So I'm serving as an expert in several different uh, cases right now, both state and federal. I'm filing more of my own cases. 
And unfortunately, I can't talk about the cases in too much detail. I can refer you to the book because now that some of these cases, these these particular cases are being filed, they will be under seal, and I'm not allowed to talk about them. Okay. Well, you just robbed me of my next question, you motherfucker. Well, ask the question. I'll just say whether or not I can answer it. Okay. Well, what I was going to say is one thing I wanted to point out that you haven't pointed out is in, a, <clears throat> in your book, it's how you were offered like a high-level clearance somewhere. And you, in hindsight, theorize that because they were offering you this thing. Basically, if I recall correctly, they're kind of bypassing a lot of the normal formalities and, and, and my, you know, electron microscope up your ass kind of background checks to get this clearance. And you theorize that they wanted to give you this clearance so that you could never fucking talk about what you were doing. Simply be, it'd be like if uh, it's like I was doing this podcast with you, and so and they gave me a clearance. I was like, oh, this is so cool. They can, by the way, you can never interview Dr. Malone or Dr. Huff again, and you have to delete all your former interviews with them because now it's national security. I'd be like, what? And it's a well, now it's Mr. Kerrigan's treason if you talk about this. Could you go into that? Because I think that's one of the most bad yeah, things. you're pretty you're pretty close. So what happened after 2016? I believe yeah, you're you're getting close. So IRPA, I, Barda, I, Dietra. I leave. I leave Equal Health Alliance, and then I go on to be a professor at Michigan State University and a hospital epidemiologist there. And I do that for three years, and I really did this as a favor to my wife because she had been working uh, with the USDA as a, a federal scientist, and she was hating it, and she wanted to go back and be a professor. I never wanted to go back to academia, but I'm like, okay, I'll go back if you want to go back. So we both go back. And after three years, I'm telling her, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I need to go to corporate America because that's where I'm happiest. And so I started looking for, for new new things to do, new job opportunities. And then I get contacted actually out of the blue by Jewel Laboratories, the e-cigarette company. And I become the senior director of population health because I actually used to do a lot of research on nicotine e-vapor products and their, their harmful health, health effects or potential health effects. And they needed me to solve their, their public health problem that they were having. Well, in the fall of 2019, I received a call from Dr. Amy Jenkins from DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. And Dr. Amy, uh, Amy Jenkins, I was introdu introduced to her, a lot of Amy's here, by Dr. Amy Kircher at the University of Minnesota. So she was the former, uh, she was a former like uh, DOD executive civilian uh, in public health. She was in charge of North America. She has all these pictures in her office, like shaking hands with, with George, George Bush. She's a very smart woman, mm -hmm. uh, very fierce. So she introduced me to Dr. Amy Jenkins. Um, as a PhD student, and I'm sort of told that she works with DOD intelligence, okay? And I see her at a bunch of different meetings in DC, so I I, I understand wh what her role is. Like, she's never talking about too much what she's doing in detail, but she's at all these meetings. Okay, I mean, like, there's nothing wrong there. But what's strange, in 2019, when I hear from her out of the blue, she calls me on a new phone, which, a new phone number, which none of my old national security contacts had. I mean, this phone was only two, three months old, Okay. And then she offers me a position or she's encouraging me to apply. Call, basically, sorry, call, calls you on a new, uh, your new number. My new number. Okay, sorry. Okay. I, I, okay. My new cell number. Nobody in my old work history has this phone number, but she Got calls it. me. On. And then offers me the position to be a program manager, program officer at DARPA, the biologics program related to COVID. And at the time, like I knew nothing about COVID, but this would have been the program. Mm -hmm. And... You know, I tell her, I'm not interested in this. I, how much does it first? I'm like, how much does this job pay? Because I'm making a killing, okay, doing and being a tech executive. 
And the second thing is, I don't want a national security clearance again. I don't want to get top secret. I don't want a polygraph. I don't want all this bull crap. I, I just wanted to get away from that. And I asked him, like, do I have to have top secret clearance? Do I have to move back to the Beltway? Yes, yes, yes. What does it pay? You know, 150K a year. I'm like, no, thank you. No, thank you. I don't want you. Well, go home and talk. Talk with your wife about it. You know, let's talk again tomorrow. And I do. And I tell her, no, 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 I'm not interested. I'm like, she's like, you really sure? You'd be perfect for this. Really give me the hard press. I'm like, no, no, Amy, thank you very much for thinking of me. I'm, I'm not interested. Well, about two and a half months later, COVID happens. Hmm. Coincidence? I don't know. But if you look at the facts of when SARS-CoV-2, COVID emerged, so we know that it moved, emerged sometime in the summer, late summer, um, early fall of 2019. That's a fact. And a lot of scientists agree to it now. A lot of the, the national security community has publicly stated this now. So I used to build these tools and platforms for the intelligence community that they use to detect infectious disease outbreaks. I know how well they work. I know their limitations. And I quickly pieced together in 2020 that Dr. Amy Jenkins likely contacted me because they knew that I would know what happened. And if you think back about the gaslighting that we experienced through 2020, 2021 into 2022 related to the origin of COVID, mRNA jabs, the psyops, which have all been now proven to be true um, through Twitter files and these other these other outlets. DOD was trying to silence me. I mean, it's, it's very apparent. Give and, you clearance, so you shut the fuck up. Yeah, they'd re- read me into the program, so I'd be quiet. And the ridiculousness of this this problem of them doing that and immediately going into cover up mode is that everybody can tolerate um, a laboratory mistake. And even if it causes a pandemic, it's happened before. I point this out to people. There have been laboratory leaks that have caused pandemics before. And nobody really thinks about it or knows about it. And except for people like the the nerds and geeks in, in, in my small world of emerging infectious disease epidemiology, it's a really niche small world, actually. And then this whole thing becomes hyped and glorified and you know, all the fear and the propaganda to push the to push the the injections. Uh, you know, it, it's like it's sort of like a bad dream. But, you know, looking forward, the, the government just needs to take a different approach if this ever happens again. I, I can guarantee you that there's going to be another lab leak that causes a pandemic. And the reason why I'll say that is that, OK, we can look at the past history. It, it's happened before. It happened again. And humans, we are we're we're risk prone and we're bad at managing risk and and accidents happen, especially with things that are highly infectious that you can't see. I mean, that's the whole na- nature of the beast. You can't see it, you know? So if, if you've been exposed, by the time you were exposed, it's too late because the next thing you know, you're sick. And by, by the time you're sick, it's spreading. And that's how it works. What are some What are some examples of this happening before? I was unaware. Yeah, 1977, 78 swine flu uh, came out of a Russian laboratory. Okay. Yeah. And it, so the, the effects of the disease were not... As pronounced um, so it didn't, have, it didn't yeah. have the it didn't have the mortality um, or the morbidity that that SARS-CoV-2 did, and that's why people probably look at it different because that's always gotcha. another character. So if this would have leaked out of the lab, if SARS-CoV-2 would have came out, it would have caused the sniffles. <laughs> no, the government probably would have nobody would have said anything, nobody would have noticed, and the government would be like, oh, you know, don't let that happen again, yeah, you know, because yeah. you know, like everyone had some weird sniffles this year, but because because of the the problems that I had with it, and it was it was used the disaster was used to 
manipulate society in a lot of adverse ways. I mean, the cover-up was worse than the crime, and then all these opportunists decided to get rich off of it. So <clears throat> let's jump into that then. Is because there are, you know, obviously there's a million ways to look at it. What Was it an accident followed by opportunists to... You know, it's like the people that are, you know, it's like 9-11 was engineered versus 9-11 happened by terrorists. And it's like, yeah, regardless, Raytheon, you know, cashed in. It's, you know, whatever. The effect is still the same. Are there opportunists from a lab leak to just maximize fiduciary outcomes? Or is it, I mean, really, is it really covering up like, oh, fuck, we were funding Wuhan? Or is there something? Because when you have psyops, to me that looks more premeditated. In my complete lack of experience and zero, you know, fucking clearances and never working in the Beltway. Well, I so I don't know this for a fact, and this is me speculating, but I'm guessing that the the psyops were probably already written down, and and, and more likely and, than not. Yeah, I mean that's how the military works. I mean, that is Raven Rock by Garrett Graff, probably my favorite book ever talks about all that shit and back to Eisenhower how dude all these laws all this shit's written they're on it's on the shelf ready for war and you just hey, whip it oh, out and stamp it are you do you have a blankie on right now fuck a yeah, blanket? I do. <laughs> fuck yeah, dude, I got... you have the air conditioning up too high what? yeah well dude I didn't have air conditioning forever and I, I went through this whole fucking saga of ordering air conditioners that didn't work and I finally got some that worked so I got these little portable ones I got this little studio I got 10,000 BTU air conditioner in here it's fucking freezing, but I love it. <laughs> so I got a cozy blanket. What? Save the planet. Turn it down a notch. Fuck off. I hate the planet. No, turn that shit up, dude. Turn that bitch up. I'm fucking... I, I, good. Let's burn this motherfucker down. Yeah. Well, also, everything runs better. The These these 4K cameras, if they overheat, they'll shut off, which sucks. So I do crank up the AC. So yeah, I have a blanket. You got a problem with that? I'll fucking... I'll defend my blanket. I don't give a shit. You have to say it like Michael Jackson in South Park. How, how, how did Michael Jackson talk in South Park? Blanket. A blanket. Ooh. Ooh. No, I don't know why I was thinking Mike Tyson. This is my blanket. This is my favorite blanket. Um, so do you think the sobs are probably there as like, uh, you know, you know? so the president's whisked, whisked to Air Force One. After the planes hit the towers, we fly them all around. We bring them out to off it, throw them in that bunker. That was probably the game plan for a myriad of, of national security issues is throw them on Air Force One and bring them to a bunker, right? That's not necessarily unique to 9-11. Cheney going to Piak under the White House, again, probably was going to happen for just about anything, not necessarily a fingerprint uh, thing related only to 9-11. Something like this PSYOP just in general is in case of kind of in case of cover up break glass you know break glass do you think it's something like that there there's no reason for the u.s government to have to lie to the population about these kind of events that that's really my hang up so the assumption of running a psyop is that americans can't handle the truth and i think the the real the real way to, to move forward and move ahead is that when we have these difficult issues, if we if the United States government has any culpability, which is certainly the case with SARS-CoV-2, instead of covering it out, just come out and tell us what the problem is and what happened, and we'll deal with it. Running the psychological operation doesn't help anyone. Okay, but the, you and I, that's talking about like what should happen, right? 
There's yeah. a big, big difference between yeah, what should. Yeah, I'm with you. What should happen is that, but that's not what happened. So you know, it's you, you, the government also shouldn't have their hand up the puppet's ass of social media, but they do because people are assholes. So what's getting what? Well, you have to realize social media is the psyop. I mean, this is what I've, I've tweeted about this on Twitter, and I don't think anyone really picks up on it. So, my my theory on why Twitter and and platforms like that exist, Instagram, well, they're allowed to flourish, is because the government allows them to flourish. You allow a monopoly status so long, and we won't revoke it so long as you do what we say. But why? So we can control the narrative. No, I, I don't think it's quite. Well, I mean, that, that's one aspect of it, but I think there's another. If you have people glued to their social media all day, they're not outside building, burning down buildings. That's another thing, and you can also you also control their view of the world. Yeah, if, well, if I'm looking through a phone all day, if I don't have contact, I think, I think what it does is they actually it's not that you control their view of the world. You, I think it's a little more nuanced than that. You're able to control which box or which social schema you fit into. Well, you can, so, you so, can control so their. Go ahead. You control their perception of the crowd. So if it's just me and I look at a and I'm locked down, let's say during a pandemic and I get on YouTube and I look at a video that says these vaccines are safe and effective and it says 3.2 million thumbs up and there's no negative comments. Well, then my mind is, is well, fuck, you know, a loaded football stadiums, 100,000. So this is 32 football stadiums. If people all say in thumbs up, well, fuck. I mean, I can't see outside. I'm just in a little in an apartment. That means everyone's for this. I should probably be for it too. But the reality is, is 3.2 M is really just pixels on a screen. I have no idea how many people really gave it a thumbs up. I have no idea how many. Hey, how many people are really watching Jimmy Fallon on the Tonight Show? Fucking talk with Miss Piggy and Muppets like a fucking lobotomy victim. You don't know that. Or it's just YouTube putting digits on a screen. You know, it could say 3.2K, which is probably how many views him and John Oliver are really getting on YouTube. But you switch a K to an M, and all of a sudden, you have the perception of a lot more people are watching. So you're also controlling what people think. If I'm looking at a comment section, and most people are saying, this vaccine's dangerous, my mom took it and then dropped dead, but those are shadow banned out of it. Well, I'm not seeing any negative comments. So you very much so, by having people plugged into a phone... And that is, you know, kind of poetically, that little square is your window to the world. And thus you look around, you don't see the crowds of people. You just see numbers on a screen that say 100,000 people liked this comment. You then controls your perception and you go, well, if everyone likes it, then I guess everyone should like it. I should shut up too. It very much so has an effect on your, if I go to a football game and everyone's cheering, I'm certain everyone around me is cheering. If I'm looking at a phone and it says everyone's cheering, I just have to take that as fact Does that make sense i mean i could also just be slowly losing touch with reality so you know that i could also just be having a mental break i don't know <laughs> well i i think that does make sense and and i view it more as this it's not just so much managing the crowd it's it's taking it's it's looking at the crowd and saying well what different boxes or groups can we get these people to associate with because so the obvious first of all is you have right and left okay so you have left people and right mm -hmm. well let's see how far we can push everyone um, to the right let's see how far yeah. we can push everyone to the left but then there's there's subcategories sub yeah. yeah there's subcategories and, and actually i don't believe it's two-dimensional i believe it's four-dimensional and you're gonna have libertarians right one group on the spectrum okay on the, on the opposite side of libertarians you probably have i guess what fascists or communists and then you have traditional left and right so they push people into those the, the, those different different spect areas of the the, the sphere or the the, the you could look at it as a quadrant different corners of the quadrant 
And, and that's what social media does. And then once they get there, it they amplify the psyops that they do is they amplify more pressure to keep that narrative within that corner of spectrum going. Because if, if nobody can agree to what's happening in, in the sphere, then basically the, the deep state or, you know, the government or the executive branches has carte blanche to do whatever they want because nobody knows what's, what's true. Just to, just constant fog of war. Yeah. Well, yeah, it runs into constant fog because the whole idea is if you keep everyone confused about what's really happening, well, everyone says, ah, oh, screw it. They go into work yeah, and fuck it. Yeah. Going to work, I'm drinking beer. I'm a happy peasant. Yeah. How many, yeah. How many, how much time of the day do you really have to focus on what's going on? Yeah. You got a couple minutes on the toilet looking at the phone. People are like, this is evil. And someone's like, this didn't even happen. It's a deep fake. And you're like, fuck it, whatever. You just, yeah, man, I don't know. And then, you know, if the logic is divide and conquer, well, then that logic would follow from more than just left and right. You'd want to divide and conquer within those groups. Right? You want to control yeah. everyone, you have left versus right. Well, then how do you control the left? Well, you'd have to divide and conquer within the left and within the right and on and on and on. You'd want to just keep bifurcating and breaking. But what about or, like life? Or, or you nudge people even deeper into the corner, right? So if you can sure. find someone who's like center left, maybe we can push them all the way left. Yeah. You don't want some rational person that's like, I understand the left and the right. No, you want to push them. You either got to chop your dick off and dye your hair neon pink and scream, you know, I'm a foxkin, or you got to be some hardcore like fundamentalist like Jesus was an American. Like you can't have middle ground because then that's when you unify and realize you're getting fucked by the people at the top. Well, exactly, and they were, they were actively trying to do that to me. So they're, they're all remember all these food facility fires which sort of dried up. Yeah, yeah. So the interesting thing is, I I, was, I did a bunch of several different interviews where I'm talking about like, hey, I had these data stolen from my house, and it match, matches where all these food facilities were attacked. Well, then I was asked to go on an interview, and there was no prep for the interview. And then they started asking me about this specific event in Texas, and I came out and I said, I'm like, it looks like that's just na you know natural kind of accident or disaster, and the, the journalist was shocked, and, and I don't know if they even aired it because it didn't go along with the narrative of maybe what the box they were trying to, to, to paint me in. And, and it was a type of facility where accidental fires occur. It had a lot of manure, and manure catches fire. And mm -hmm. I grew up in the Midwest around a lot of dairy farms, and you can actually go peel back a manure pile in the summer with a pitchfork, and it'll catch fire. Can't can do that with hay bales, too. Yeah, hay bales sometimes. If it's there's, like, to there's like bacteria inside or yeah, something. The bacteria gets really hot. And, yeah, I've seen plenty of manure, manure fires like on a hot July day. The, the bacteria are replicating. They're eating really fast. And down that manure pile, it gets close to combust, combustion temperature. And if you flip it and expose it to air, it ignites. That's wild. Yeah. Jesus. Um, back to the social media thing. Do you, you ever think about the whole life log it's like it was a DARPA program and it ended and then like the next day Facebook started like the next day it was like look, look it up life log it, it's like it like ended it was a DARPA program about like you know a make a social media thing so essentially people surveil surveil themselves hi puppy and it ended yeah, on this, like this guy isn't at his walk and he's get, gonna come over and be annoying so I have to give him a walk after dude, I back. understand that I respect my apologies that. I don't want to interrupt but no, if I, I don't no, I just no, I respect that. Hey, puppy. No, you know, fucking take what's yours, buddy. Don't, don't, don't push around, Doctor Huff. Tell him to fuck off. I, I'm with you. I'm, I stand, I stand in solidarity with the dog. I think LifeLog ended on like February third, two thousand three. Then like February fourth, two thousand three, Facebook started. 
it's just odd shit like that that it it seems like they are seeding this all this stuff comes from well that. if you look at so so push the dog off me so no, if you look at devices right so you have the the you have the first is the ipad right and i don't know if you did you ever have a gen one ipad before the iphone existed i don't think ipads didn't exist before the iphone yeah they did yeah so Not apple. the yeah apple so the or no it was an ipod touch it was called yeah, I had, an, I had an iPod Touch, yeah. iPod Touch was the precursor to the iPhone. Yeah. Basically, it didn't have LTE in it. And so someone got smart and said, okay, now we have the smartphone thing. It's the new best spy device. Let's get one into everyone's hands. Let's push this. Let's help these companies out making this technology. Because as I've experienced in the government hacks, what they do and through either like Pegasus software or US government owned product or made product is they turn every device into your house into a spy device. And Edward Snowden talked about this back in 2014. It's 2023 and the botnet that they create is, is it's insane and it's almost can't be defeated. And once this, this malware gets onto one of your machines it just spreads to everything. Anything that's turned on, it spreads to. And whatever the capabilities of that piece of hardware and software, they exploit it. And basically your your house becomes one big listening listening device. And it's pretty creepy. Um, and I was just went through another round of hacks last week and I spent a considerable amount of time defeating it. And it, it's sophisticated stuff. I mean, you have to know an IT, IT thing or two to, to be able to get around it. But this is, this is the world we're in. I mean, we're living in a surveillance state. The devices have only progressed. So we had smartphones. Now we have smartwatches. Okay. Apple iOS, this watch thing you, that you wear, if you wear a smartwatch. I mean, think about it. this thing is collecting your respiration. It can tell you maybe a little bit about your blood pressure. I mean, there's other kinds of of, of health metrics they can, they can capture off that. And if I were the government and I had access to this, I would then start measuring the effectiveness of psyops they're exposed to sure. to see what works. Right? Rate, I can yeah. guarantee you. I mean, I can guarantee you that someone in the government is doing it. I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but why wouldn't you? I mean, I well, I had the I used to develop this stuff. Why, why wouldn't you? Why would you not do Pavlovian response too? Why would you not? I don't know. Monitor it's someone. Me. Why would you not monitor someone's heart rate when they are on TikTok or whatever? And then when they come on to Tommy's podcast and listen to Dr. Huff talk about engineered viruses, why would you not then add your own stimuli to make them a little uncomfortable? How about you change never, the... I've never engineered a virus in my life. <laughs> no, but we're talking about it. No, we're talking about it. And I know you haven't. You're, you you invented the nuclear bomb. A lot of people don't know that. But yeah, like, right. Yeah, Oppenheimer's about you. But um, why wouldn't you then add your own stimuli? So, I mean, much like a putting on an, an electric collar on a dog, why wouldn't you you know, change the refresh rate of a phone or change the light that comes off of it or change the different wavelengths of it to make you more agitated. So when that you're viewing, I don't know, remember, do you remember when Chris Cuomo, that fucking faggot came out like several years ago during like the riots? And he was like, remember, no, 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 it was before that. It was like, remember the WikiLeaks. He was like, you, you're not supposed to look at that on your own. We're supposed to get it from us, the media. And it really was like, don't you dare look at this and think for yourself. It was like WikiLeaks regarding like Hillary Clinton or some shit. Why wouldn't you then do something like that to where if you're perusing, I don't know, the Twitter files, like a Matt Taibbi thread, or if you're trying to look up like the Epstein client list, why wouldn't you then add a negative stimuli to that person and then remove it when they're doing something like 
ordering McDonald's on DoorDash, or watching brain-dead TikTok videos. Why would you not add stimuli like that? And if you could trace it through their, I guess, biophysiological feedback via, like, an Apple Watch, why wouldn't you? Or, you know, facial recognition. You yeah, could look you at run, micro like a multi-factor analysis or principal uh, components analysis to do basically grouping. So what, how the science behind this works is you would take each TikTok video or each, each stimuli and you would, as a human, you'd say, okay, we believe this is scary or we believe this is intimidating or we believe this is, will uh, elicit a happy response. And then you measure, okay, the actual responses, and you can either automate that or use humans to either train software or to, to, to review the facial expressions or the heart rate. The heart rate's easy to automate, but facial expressions is not quite as easy with, with machine learning, um, camera technology. It's gotten a lot better. It's pretty good. It's pretty good, but I wouldn't say it's perfect. So yeah, you can, you can take a look at all this stuff and then you can then you go back and then you look at these groupings of how you first classified it. You're like, okay, this was a scary response, but oh, this thing that we thought was scary, it grouped, it, it, for whatever reason, it grouped with the happiness. Like when you actually do the statistics behind it and you look at it and you're like, okay, well, it grouped with all, all of the happiness. So this is how then they refine the model, okay? Mm. And that's how they would refine the PSYOP. And then after it's grouped with this other group, you could say, okay, well, this is how you properly use the tool. And then do you know what you do? You would reclassify it. Mm -hmm. And you would retest it, and then you see if you got the same group, and if you did, boom, golden. Yeah. So yeah. then, so then was COVID a test, or could, or maybe not from the, maybe not from the, not from the get go, but you could look at it and go, hey, let's make the most out of this spilled milk and call it a test. How did the world well, respond to a pandemic? Everything that we do is a, a test. Well, sure. I mean, sure, but so well, think about the text message exchange. What did you, what did I respond at four oh four oh or five oh five? I think you sent me a text message. Yeah, you said it's a test. Yeah, I thought um, you, I thought you, were you referring to COVID or are you referring to me saying oh, T no, minus no, one just, hour? Just, uh, yeah, an hour because I had I had an impossible workload I had to accomplish within fifteen minutes to get in a car to drive to be present for this. Yeah, that's why I said it's a test. It was an inside joke, and you didn't understand the punchline. Didn't but, understand it at all. No, of course. But my point is that everything we do in life is a test and everything is a learning experience. So not that there's anything nefarious, but of course, people are going to try to exploit things. Everything is a test. Everything, everything you do is you're being evaluated. It's, it's continual and constant and that's life. And, the, and I think because I'm hyper competitive, I always look at everything as a competition. Well, sure. Everything so do I. I. I time my workouts every day. I see if I cannot do myself. I get you. I mean, I, I, I time myself. How quickly can I make the thumbnails for tomorrow's episodes? I just try to do it faster. How quickly can I cook eggs? Like I just I'm always doing that. And that's all well. You can't good. cook eggs any faster. They just have unless you no. Well, if you put the frying pan down first, start heating it up, and then start like whisking the egg, whisking the egg, so you can actually start to cut cut time. But the point is this: is sure everything's a test, and that's like a nice gay hallmark card. But I mean, specifically for this, you want to st specifically for this. This is a test. How did the world respond to something? How quickly did you know the fog of war lift? How many months did it take before people start to realize the 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 mRNA shots were giving people blood clots? There's a lot of testing behind this with real money and power consolidation behind it. So this is an actual value, not in some faggoty, well, we all fall down and it depends on how you get up. I, I get that. I get the, I get the, you know, the Andy Griffith, the fucking Norman Rockwell painting of like, you know, it's all about learning and getting better. But really this, I don't think that this is this thing necessarily just 
happened. Does that make sense? Well, I'm, I'm not. I'm not attacking you and saying you that's what you're saying. Argue that it was destined to happen. So when I looked at Equal Alliance, a couple a couple of facts which I talk about in the book. We are keenly aware of the lax laboratory safety and capabilities of foreign laboratories. And this was discussed at executive meetings. And a decision was made by Dr. Peter Daszak to, to keep doing the work with these laboratories. And there was other discussions, which I discussed in the book, where I brought up concerns specifically about doing this work with the Chinese. Because I'm from a national security uh, national security background. I'm an expert in biowarfare, bioterror, um, environmental health, sanitation, and laboratory safety, biosecurity, biosafety, all these things. Okay, I'm that guy at Eco Health Alliance. I see the risk, and I'm a patriot, and and I love my country. Okay, diehard still love this country despite all our flaws. I ask the question: Why are we doing this work with the Chinese? Okay, so. It really takes a man like Dr. Peter Daszak, whose ego is is so large, and his thirst for power and money can't be quenched, to be able to engage in these high-risk activities perpetually without seeing the black swan. He didn't see the black swan. And have you read uh, Nicholas Taleb's book about black swans? I've, I've heard, what, what's, what's the definition of black swan? Black swan is a, a rare, um, a rare, a rare event which has. Um, it's, it's difficult to calculate the probability of occurrence because it's unknown. Okay. So you, you don't have an. So there's different ways of talking about this. Rumsfeldian unknown unknowns. In statistics, they would say. You don't know what the parameter space is. So, okay. so using logic, if you're to try to use logic to solve the problem, if you know the parameter space, you can run a series of either mathematical, statistic, or theoretical tests to figure out what the likelihood of something is. Gotcha. But if you don't know what the space is, how do you how do you use logic to to to, to find out the answer? And you can't. And the context in which uh, Talib. Uh, writes about this in his book is that he uses the financial crisis of 2008 as being a black swan. And there's an interesting aspect to, to black swans. And I used to be really deep into this and I couldn't get anyone to publish the work. And the only people that, that like talking about it actually were the other super smart, intelligent people that I worked with at the national lab. We talked about black swans quite a bit and it, my theory behind it, and this has not been tested, and I should write this up, is that it has to do with, with complexity. And part of this has been discussed, and Taleb talks about this a little bit too, is that any place, anytime you have a, a complex system, the more, the more complex the system becomes, the greater the probability that there's a black swan lying in there somewhere because you don't understand all the dynamics of the system. Now, and, and this is talk about there's there's two different types of systems. You have human systems and engineered systems. So engineered systems are like a car. OK, if there's a, a catastrophic failure on a piston, it's pretty easy, easy to determine what the consequence of that will be in any condition that the vehicle is operated. OK. Sure. Now, when you add humans into the mix, OK, take that same car for an example. 
Well, the problem is, how is the person going to react when a piston goes shooting through the hood at 90 miles an hour if they're driving, maybe they're driving abusively at 100, something rare, like 120 miles an hour. It's a sedan that, you know, maybe hits its rev limiter. Maybe it's 105, whatever it is. Piston goes shooting through the roof. How's the human going to react? Is he going to, he or she going to swerve and go in the ditch and crash the car and tumble it? That's, that's a, that's a black swan kind of event. And so the other aspect of, so you have two, two axes here on the Y axis, you have complexity on the X axis, you have coupling. Coupling means is how tight are the tolerances of each one of these these variables or factors inside the model or the thing that you're talking about. So when there's tight coupling, there's lower tolerance for error. So an example that people can understand tight coupling is um, aeronautics or spacecraft. They're tightly coupled systems because if you look at how everything is machined and how precision is, it only takes a tiny little fraction of an error in the machining or the operation of it to cause a catastrophic event. The O-ring and the Challenger, yeah. Exactly. So when you have a tightly tightly coupled system, which is also highly complex, and you have a lot of human variability or incentive for bad behaviors, bad things happen. And that that ex, that basically explains um, high containment laboratory failures. And in the case of SARS-CoV-2, it's even worse than that because they were working with these these dangerous agents in the wrong system. So the sy- system that they were working in was a BSL-2, okay, with these <laughs> airborne infectious diseases. But they should have been doing it in a BSL-3 or 4. And so here you have tight coupling, you have something that's highly complex and, and you're, you're not even u- using the right rule book or playbook to deal with it. And that's, that's why, why SARS-CoV-2 emerges. And this is why it's, uh, a laboratory accident is likely to happen again, whether or not it's in a BSL-3 or 4 laboratory, because once again, it's hard to measure and identify something, a problem that you can't see. It, and maybe the in technology will improve, but even if it does, I don't think the biosafety and biosecurity technology will will ever eliminate this eliminate this human risk problem. Now, the way to do that is you could totally automate the system, right? So instead of actually having humans in the laboratory um, manipulating these agents, you could actually build a, a completely closed system like a reactor, essentially have robots on the inside doing all this type of work, and then if you if you're able to do it that way, then a human never has to come in contact with a sealed environment. Yeah. And so and the only risk then is like with a reactor where the seal cracks and breaks and then radiation leaks. Okay. Or if you have to have some, you know, eventually though, because it's a laboratory, you have to have things coming in and out. So these become weak points, but humans in the loop um, are always the problem. If you look at, um, you know, if you look at Chernobyl, for example, the human loop in the loop was the problem. Yeah. If you look at Fukushima, which was, a natural disaster the human in the loop in that problem was them not thinking about um, the placement of the backup generators well well it's to the that's not necessarily the issue i mean that is that's a that was the problem but the reason why they had that problem was that they didn't anticipate two natural disasters at once they didn't think that they get hit with an earthquake and then a tsunami so when the engineers designed Fukushima, they designed it for an earthquake or they designed it for a tsunami, but not for both. Which is which is kind of retarded because aren't those often paired? Hey, it's tectonic this shifting. Is, this is, but this is this is this is what I'm getting at. This yeah, is I, the, I got you. The, the human. This is, the, this is how the, increasing this is how complexities, tolerances. Yeah. 
and, I got and you. it happens to all of us. Like we get stressed, um, you know, we're we're tired. Um, you just want to get the job done. You want to check the box. And and if you look at SARS-CoV-2's emergence in in Wuhan, it's all of these things. Like on the American side, on the Chinese side, and you know, I, I like to to say like, well. If it wasn't for us, for the United States transferring this advanced biotechnology sooner or the United States missing the warning signs, this wouldn't have happened, which is true. But that doesn't put all the blame on the U.S. I mean, really, who deserves all the blame are the Chinese for leaking this, okay? Because they were doing all of this in terrible conditions. Even though that the you know the United States were sort of hand waving it, we we get slapped on the wrist or the hand for let, allowing them to do this in the first place. <laughs> but we also knew they do shit in terrible conditions. Well, we didn't know mystery. Well, there, there's two different aspects to that. I think, and this is speculation on my part. I think the government had a pretty good idea that they were working in unsafe conditions. My guess is they didn't know how bad it really was. So when they're doing a lot of this, the, the, the Chinese, I mean, what they do is they lie, cheat, steal, and cut corners. So when the, the U.S. government, these cables, these other reports of this, these bad conditions in Wuhan, they probably didn't really know exactly how bad it was because sure. the Chinese are probably trying to hide it from us. And, and yeah. who knows if that's but And, I mean, back to black swan events. I mean, you run the human simulation a million times in fall 2019 probably covid sometimes and it's like maybe there's some alternative parallel where covid didn't happen but fucking a nuclear reactor blew up or some shit and it's like man there's eight billion self-aware sentient nodes on this planet with national security and clearances and profit motive and technological growth and cultural differences and yeah man it's like we are on a unicycle on a on a on a tightrope fucking you know juggling flaming flamethrowers we might, you know, we might run this simulation a million times and go, COVID, that's the least worst thing that happened. Like, hell yeah. Like, it, it, it could have been so much worse. And it's like, that might be the reality of it, man. Is I mean, how many people died from COVID around the world? What, 7 million, 6 million? Is that what they're estimating? I mean, who the fuck knows what it actually is, but whatever the official number is. So one out of every, what, 1,000, one out of every 1,100 humans Man, all things mm. considered, that's it's not a whole lot. Not to sound like some Kissinger motherfucker, but like it's not a whole lot. All things considered, that's all not all things you consider though, because the fact that it's completely avoidable is pretty terrible. Sure, but how many things are completely avoidable? You know, it's like we got through the Cold War oh, okay. without nuking the planet. I mean, it's I'm not. I'm just trying to look at it as like we are focusing on it because it's bad and it happened and it was avoidable. But it's like. Well, I think it's one of those cases where the, the cover-up's worse than the crime, and I've been saying that for a long yeah, time. Yeah, sure. Now. Okay? So, first of all, they, they, if you look at treatment protocols in the hospital, they push redemsivir on people. They, they incentivize people to put them on ventilators. Mm -hmm. This was the treatment protocol they push in. They, they put the SARS-CoV-2 uh, injections up there. They use emergency use authorization to treat these people um, with this or to, to inoculate people with this new experimental drug. It had terrible, tremendous side effects, worse than any other vaccine that we've ever brought to market. And they continue to push it, push it on us despite all the medical evidence and scientific evidence to the contrary. 
uh, the lockdown strategy was failed. You know, the, 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 the children, the harm that did to our children in terms of their education and social development, um, the other harms to society, basically, it, it hasn't really fully recovered. I mean, everyone's still sitting in their houses and their phones and stuff. I mean, it has not recovered the same way. And when I go back to cities um, that were thriving, you know, we had the, the I guess, the, the summer of, of love, if you want to call it, where they're burning everything down and then COVID happens. And these things drove drove big cities and Americans apart from each other. And if it weren't for the failed response strategy and the psychological operation about the origin of the disease, I think we'd be sitting in a lot of different, different place today. Hmm. And in the economics, man, because of the lockdown strategy, I mean, look what, look what it did to the deficit. Look what it, it's done to... Um, inflation, we can't catch up. We keep spending more money. I mean, all these all these things are are somewhat related to each other, and the money isn't going like the the this deficit spending money, the inflation, all the stuff. It's not going. The money's not going into. So first of all, inflation's a tax on all of us, right? So mm-hmm. it's a tax on a- average everyday people, poor people the most, yeah. not rich people. Yeah. The second thing is all of the. Oh, I got a whiny puppy. All mm-hmm. the the COVID debt relief, uh, the, all the COVID spending, this cash they injected into the economy, went into the wealthiest companies. They shut down small businesses. You know, this yeah. is what they did. Walmart, Walmart became more powerful. Amazon became more powerful. In my state, I mean, it was ridiculous. You could go hang out at a Meyer or a Target or, or any other big box store, but you were prohibited from going to a small business. Yeah, think small business for what? What was the purpose behind that? What was the public health advantage of that? So you could go catch COVID at the grocery store? Well, then... I mean, none of this makes sense. Well, it makes sense in the same way that it's speculation. If you want to kill off all the undergrowth and just leave huge trees, I mean, if you want to really burn off the entire middle class and mom and pop stores and just have a couple massive corporations less left... So it's easier to control just a handful of CEO. I mean, just looking at it from true Malthusian, if I want to run the world, it was brilliant. It's easier to control Amazon, Walmart, and Apple than it is to control 10,000 small companies. Well, what's, what's, the what's, what's the benefit to that, though? I mean, it makes your friends rich, but it makes everyone poor. Yeah, I don't think the people that have historically run the planet give a sh- I think they look at that and they go, yes, that's good. Okay, I see what you're saying. Oh, no, I'm not saying for everyone. I'm, I'm saying the fuckers of the... perspective of you and me and No, no, no. So you're looking at it from the viewpoint of a normal human being who, you know... No, 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 no. I'm not talking about normal people like us who, you know, will think everyone should just have a happy life. No, I'm, I'm talking about the demons from hell that fuck children on islands. I'm talking about them. Yeah. To them, it's... Adrenochrome. Do you yeah. Have listen, listen, guys. Listen, I'm going to say it once. I'm going to say it one more time. This is a spiritual war. I'm, I'm tired of pulling bunches. I have the documents. No, but it is... To them... Yeah, it's perfect. It's a consolidation. The big fish eat the little fish. Then you got a handful of big fish. Man, I mean, the Soviet system. You got a handful of oligarchs. You got to control them. Then you control everything. I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying it's good for the people that want to run the planet. Now, again, is it designed? I don't know. Could it just be an opportunistic? They see the targets aligning and they go, "Hey, take the shot." I don't know. The effect is the same. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, granted, we are completely wading out into the waters of pure speculation. I, I get that, but so I'm curious. I, I know that you just uh, had Robert Malone on what yesterday? 
Or the day before? No. Uh, what's today? Monday? He and yeah. Dr. Hatfield came on Thursday. What did you guys chat about? Well, they started talking, and uh, I think they wanted to catch up. And every once in a while, if I pair two very smart guests together, uh, I start to realize that like I'm un- I'm an unneeded asset, and I just put them together. And I could see them kind of talking to one another, and I realized soon in, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm here to just put the two together and to shut the fuck up. So I stopped talking. And uh, they were just talking about, I guess, business ties and intelligence ties and you never know when you're talking to people that are smarter than you and have like security clearances because you often feel like a kid and they're throwing a ball back and forth and you're jumping up trying to grab it. I think they're just talk- pretty much talking about like how fucked our entire like biosecurity responses and how China's probably pulling ahead. Well, they're, they're pulling ahead and everything. Well, yeah. Which is why we're going to go to war with them. Mm. I'm you not think so. Yes. They need us spending money at Walmart, though. We're looking at them, and they now spend one-third of what we spend on defense. Just 10 years ago, they spent like one-fifteenth of what we spend. Okay? Still, uh, the third of the, the – if you look at what that third represents, so the other two-thirds that we spend is quite a bit more. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, no. I'm with you. I, again, I'm not defending this or backing the rationale. I'm just saying what I think is going to happen. We are the hegemon. We're on. We are. We've been the king of the hill for a long time. We're not going to go down without a fight. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's moral. I'm not saying it's fair or ethical. And I'm not saying that we won't toast most of the earth to defend ourselves or defend our position. But we will do it. They're rising. We're we're not going. They're trying to climb up into our top level. We're going to step on their fingers. I think we're trying to push Russia. I think we're trying to bankrupt Russia so that Russia has to join up with uh, China. We just passed that Senate bill that says we will defend Taiwan. So now we're going to have a Taiwan and Ukraine. We're going to try to push Russia and China together into some new Soviet menace. And then we're hopefully just going to, you know, destroy them over the course of a long Cold War and the West wins. I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying it's probably what we're going to do. I don't know. I'm not quite there yet because... I think we're an old, but angry China, lion. China is a is a is a very corrupt place. They mm-hmm. have an oligarchy, which is which is present in the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah, and they want to maintain their way of life, just like we do. Sure. And it, when I went to Walmart today to get a thumb drive, the parking lot was packed at three o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know why on a Monday at three o'clock the parking lot was packed. Mayonnaise. There wasn't there wasn't a parking spot available and business was booming at Walmart. And that's where those are the kind of places where China's getting, you know, all its money. You look at these big box stores where people are just still consuming all the stuff made from China. Yeah. If if that war broke out, that supply that whole supply chain would shut down instantly. Yeah. All the ports on the west coast of the United States would just be dead. And we'd be then sourcing these things from Europe, Africa, or South America, or be making it in the United States, and, and, and China doesn't want that to happen. I mean, it, it, it totally. The the one thing that, that that everyone forgets is that we're so financially tied to China. Oh no, we're 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 both we're both tied at the hip. Yeah, but that that prevents war. Sure. Sure. It does seem like, the, but the rhetoric doesn't is not congruent with that. The rhetoric. Have you ever followed the the rhetoric of Taiwan and China? Over the years, have I what? Uh, followed the rhetoric between tai- Taiwan and China? No. 
I mean, they wrap the China does it. There's a pattern. And I've watched it ever since the late 80s when I started to take notice. China like uh, rattles, rattles its sabers. We're going to invade Taiwan. We're going to invade rah, Taiwan. Rah, 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 rah. Yep. And then um, the U.S. runs carriers around, you know, China and, and Taiwan and submarines and stuff. And they conduct a bunch of exercises together. And then, you know, China gets some better trade ter- terms and then it goes away. Hmm. And it, it seems to repeat like every two years. <laughs> It's repeating every two to three years. And the same kind of thing happens with North North Korea every like four to five years. You know, like they're they're pissed off about how they're being treated or whatever. Next thing you know, they're testing the nuke. I don't think we actually want war. I think we want, and this is kind of an idea I've been kicking around for the last couple months. Well, who's we? The United States, the power elite, the, I don't know, the corporate intelligence government. You mean the Bidens? Yeah. I think they're no, they're one player. I mean, there's a bigger there's a bigger apparatus than them. The 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 the, the, the power the sea right mills power elite at the very top. The iron triangle, the revolving door, the military industrial complex, the fucking big swinging dick for better or worse. Tommy, I got this dog wants to go outside, and I'm gonna go let him out real quick. It'll take me five seconds. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Um, yeah, no, but I mean, everyone that watches this knows I'll be kicking around this idea for, you know, a couple months now. I think we want a cold war. I don't think we want a hot war. We don't want a hot war with people that don't live in huts. That's what I think. I, th- I think. I no think. Hot wars. I hot think, wars are bad. No, I think we, we want a cold war. The only hot wars we want are with people that. We don't want that, a cold war either. I think you know, we the whole, do. where Kenny's right about this um, is that he kept on talking about the reinvestment we were supposed to get from us cutting the defense spending back in the American economy. We need to really cut defense spending. I don't care if you're a, a conservative or a liberal, we need to cut defense sp- spending and focus more on diplomacy and investing in our own country. There, there's other ways that we can be, have exert more influence and power globally than, than using the military and diplomacy works. I agree with that entirely. Again, you gotta understand, but everything I'm saying isn't something I like morally agree with. It's what I think is gonna happen, right? Your audience doesn't know me, and they they know you. I mean, they might might recognize me. So yeah, no, I, I get to, it. No, I get, I get it. Yeah, you gotta you gotta throw throw it out there. But that doesn't sound like anything we do, man. It just historically we just fucking build the military bigger and bigger and bigger. I I think. Now more than ever, it just seems like we're pushing for something. I mean, we are really going balls in on Ukraine for no real rational reason. I get the money laundering, yeah, sure. But man, I mean, we're we're rearranging like the the global chess pieces for some backwoods fucking fuck shack called Ukraine full of Nazis. Like, why are we going so hard into this? Like, we it, it doesn't all add up. I mean, it's like a it's like a money. I, I use this. I've used this example before. My, and where my little brother went to college, there's this big building. It said piano liquidators. And it's a college town. And he goes, what do you think that is? And I looked at it and I go, that's money laundering. And he goes, yeah, no one's selling fucking pianos at a fire rate sale in a college town. It's it, it, the money laundering. So when I look at like, we're just going so hardcore into Ukraine. It just doesn't add up. I don't know what we're doing. We seem to be beating the drums for war i don't know why it rationally doesn't make sense but it seems like that's what we're who who knows maybe it's not for u.s hegemony maybe it's to bring down the u.s i don't know what the rationale is but it seems like that's what we're doing is through hell or high water we want war i don't know why it just seems like that's what i don't claim to know it just seems like the powers that be 
want war in Ukraine and we want to eventually make Taiwan another Ukraine and just rally everyone around it. I don't know why. I'm, I'm, I'm humble enough to say that I'm not smart enough to figure it out. I haven't figured out that Rubik's Cube. I don't know. But it seems like we fucking want war. Well, so if you look at Ukraine, I got the other dog over here whining now. I'll finish the statement. I'll let out dog number two. Um, you So you have the Bidens tied financially to Ukraine. Okay. Sure. So they're being influenced. If you look at Ukraine and the history behind it, I mean, if you look, go back to 2014, it was a CIA coup that put um, yep. you know, Zelensky, yeah. our favorite naked actor in charge of the country. Yeah. And, you know, this whole thing is about corruption, money laundering, and financial interest. And if you look at the, the Uniparty, and I, I know the Republicans hate it when I call a lot of the, the Republican uh, Republicans as, as being part of this, but it's all about supporting jobs and defense industrial jobs back in their congressional districts mm -hmm. where all this money is flowing. And, you know, how about we, we start creating new technology? Like, these people who work in, in all this defense contracting business, they're smart people. Okay. Yeah. You look at like Lockheed Martin and, and uh, Raytheon and uh, General Dynamics, all these companies, these are smart people. You know, we can put them to, we can put them to work on spacecraft. We can put them to work on all sorts of their high tech stuff, yeah. uh, revolutionizing American infrastructure with new technology, new engineered systems. Um, we have a huge problem in this country with old dams and bridges, actually. We need new dams. Well, how about these? we put these guys to, uh, to work building new, designing and, and making new crazy dams? Um, why don't we do the same thing with um, with nuclear power? You know, new small reactors, uh, use thorium, something like that. There's, There's a... all sorts of things we could be doing, but we're not. I'm going to let dog number two out now. No, you're fine. I'm trying to find it. There's a book. Was it spoilers or I'm trying to find it. Why is my give me every might be spoilers of war. Andrew Coburn. I think that was it. Um, sorry about that. No, I know it's not typical, but no, you're good. No, you're good. Um, I'm trying to find it. Um, I think it's Spoils of War by Andrew Cope. Pronounces it Coburn. It's Cockburn, but uh. C O C K B U R N. Spoils of War. It's a it's an alright book, but he does lay out an interesting hypothesis. How the military industrial complex acts as an organism. He's not saying that this is some sentient thing, but he's saying it kind of obeys the same laws as an organism, as a decently complex organism. In that the way it it prioritizes energy, like a cell, bringing in fucking ATP or whatever, it prioritizes things coming in, and whenever it's threatened, and he, he points at it through you know the the level of GDP that is the military industrial complex over you know whatever the last ten presidents, whenever it starts to go low, we always have some weird emergency or something, and how that president doesn't last like a Carter or something or a JFK and we get rid of them whenever the war start to scale down. And he kind of lays out an interesting, I mean, I might just be too dumb to po po poke holes in it. So I'm like, this makes science, but he does lay out kind of a compelling argument that it it's almost acting as an organism and that it follows the path of least resistance. So although you and I look at it and go, 
well, there's a much more beautiful world that could be achieved if we took these brilliant people making IR seeker heads and instead had them build new dams. Sure, we could have a better world and through diplomacy and wealth and health and sure. But again, he kind of lays it out as it's like this. It's this dumb. It's almost like this dumb beast, but it's so fucking powerful that you can't rationally like tell a Tyrannosaurus Rex like, hey, start using your thumbs. It's just going to bite your head off. And you can't really fight it with words. He kind of lays out the military industrial intelligence apparatus as this black hole of power and wealth and physical force projection, aircraft carriers and bombers and satellites. And all it's doing is just growing like a cancer. It, it is infinite growth on finite resources. There's no like pro or against argument. Oh, he says it's like it's evil, but... He's just kind of laying a pretty almost like clinical evaluation of it. And to me, that's really like the only thing that kind of makes sense through all of this is I don't think any one person is running it. I think it's just this. It's just this beast that has arisen. And if you ran the human simulation a million times, it would probably always arise. They're probably just, you know, in some parallel universe, there's a Chinese Dwight Eisenhower talking about the military industrial complex or whatever the fuck. I think it probably more often than not this happens at a certain point. And this could just be another phase of humanity, no different than the church running shit or the invention of stained glass windows in the printing press or whatever the fuck. It just seems like it's just this behemoth that has more strength than anyone. And it's just taking more and more and more. It's it's not well, it's a like satisfying... It's like gravity, right? Yeah, very much so. It's not a satisfying <laughs> answer. But to me, it makes the most sense. Well, that's when you know, all the all the little things and, and people being sucked into the center of gravity have to stand up and say, no, we don't want this. Well, and that's kind of his thing. It's like, well, we have to eventually, we have to wrestle power back from this apparatus that's robbing us. I mean, even Dwight Eisenhower said it, right? When the, the, the fighter jet's flying over, the Sabre fighter jet, that fighter jet overhead is the cost of a thousand kids going to school. Every modern cruiser is the cost of 2,000 brick middle schools. Every, you know, modern bomber is the cost of a new paper mill in a town. We are robbing we are, we are robbing the poor of wealth. We are robbing the naked of food or whatever. The f and this is a five-star general. This isn't some fucking tree-hugging hippie. This is Dwight Eisenhower. And he's saying, like, we are robbing the world of its of its spoils. Like, we should be living in a... Not in some idyllic fucking hippie utopia way. But no, but we, we shouldn't have, like, the homelessness and poverty problem in this country that we do. We shouldn't we have, have those people. while having B-21 Raiders still. Yeah, we should, have new, we should have new bridges. We should have a yeah. an, an Autobahn-like like freeway system. We, I should mean, be, we should be much I farther mean, ahead than we are. Yes, it's the thing that blows my mind when I travel is Croatia. You know, do you think of Croatia being a modern place? It has the most modern freeway system in Europe. And when you drive on it, it's incredible. I mean, it's like all LEDs in the pavement tells you, like, you know, it's an adaptive road. So as yeah. you drive on it, it tells you, hey, weird thing up ahead, go to the right lane. And why don't we have that in the United States everywhere with what we're spending? And you can have that in rural America. I mean, we can have these kind of systems in, in place. You can have, you know, telephone cell boxes out in remote areas so people don't get stranded. I mean, just, just simple things, right? I it's, mean, it seems that. We can have a more responsive healthcare system with helicopters. Yeah. I mean, instead, you know, think about like all the the jets that we're flying. So you, you know, what you do you take with all these military pilots? 
make it medical pilots. Yeah, you know, not even that. Make make drone choppers. Yeah, drone choppers, whatever. You're like, hey, you need to get the ambulance. Think about, you know, one of the, the critical things in public health and medicine is that it's about response time. And they, they actually observe this in the military. You know, one of the, the fun, fun statistics about Operation Enduring Freedom and Operation Iraqi Freedom, uh, especially talking about Afghanistan and Iraq, when I, Afghanistan, when I say OEF, is that, you know, one of the reasons why the casualty uh, deaths was not as high in Iraq versus Vietnam was, well, one, you know, there wasn't these 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 tied up close engagements all the time. But the other aspect is, is that uh, medical training, technology, triage, and response time was, yeah, was they're all improved or in the time was the response time was greatly shortened um, between the late 1960s and 2000s. And that's why so many other, so many other uh, more service members were wounded, but were not killed. Yeah. And imagine if we took that, Applied it to the world, yeah. The civilian life. I'm with you, man. It's it just there's the right. It's it's what they they would talk about, like you know, the corruption of the oligarchs or the or the mob or the whatever or cartels. They take when they're not just you know beheading people. It's like they take such a large cut along the way that no real business can ever prosper. Because you, right, have, so you got a dog that has to come back in. Otherwise, yeah. he's going to put a hole in my screen. You're good, dude. You, you should. No, you're good, dude. Um, oh. Fuck. Um, <laughs> this is not my MO, but there's nothing I can do. Oh, dude, you're, I don't care, man. Um, Are you going to go hang out with Emily? No. When you, um, get, you schedule, I've so scheduled anything over there. I know you, you're going to edit this probably, but for your audience, I'm not, I'm not I, editing shit. Oh, okay, so my my wife's going to be in, in town, and uh, I've tried to arrange a three way date between uh, Tommy, Emily, and her boyfriend George. <laughs> I'm looking after. Oh, her. man, I'm have to take his glass off and breathe. I'm looking. <laughs> No, I know I do that one. I do that when I'm laughing because I fucking I end up hitting the microphone and then my glasses get greasy. It's actually a tactical move. It seems like the military industrial complex is just kind of the inefficiency, let alone the moral and ethical problems of, of a mob or something, but it's the inefficiency of like an extrajudicial power structure that is taking cuts along the way. You can never get anything done. You can't build a fucking factory because every mob boss needs a cut along the way. So it's. No, seemed- I don't think so. I don't agree with that at all. I don't think it's that bad. You got to remember, people have to be incentivized to to make money, right? And if you want, no, I don't think call- it, I don't think it's that bad. But what I mean is to even get into Congress. What we talked about is like the, the entire thing. It's just it's been an emergent phenomenon where now it's like if you're running in Atlanta, like you got to be able to say, hey. I'm going to give money to Martin Marietta so they can build the new fucking skin for the F-22 update. It's just, it's become a thing where it's like, you almost have to pay fealty to the king, but there's no king. It just seems to be. Only, only this... I think, I think only if you're a weak candidate though, because if you look at. Well, yeah, uh, if you're if a you... pussy, sure. Yeah, so, but, okay, AOC. Yeah. So she comes in, she runs on this, like, I'm a server, and, you know, the average person in, in you know, Queens and, and Brooklyn, and we're getting screwed. And she wins. And I don't necessarily agree with her politics, but you don't have to no, you're right. just money to get in. 
You don't have to do it. You just have to, you get more votes actually by getting out and getting to know people and solving the problems that they're facing in the community. That's, that's actually how you, the better way to get elected, the, the, the cheap, easy way. Right? Or the easy way is to get a lot of big backing and just run a you know a social media psyop on your on your district and that's how you get in. But you don't have to do it that way to win. Yeah. Now I'm with. You. It doesn't have to be this way, and I also don't think that it's. I don't think all all's lost. I really don't. I, I I do think that it can get better, and I do think it will get better in time. I think ultimately we're in a phase. This is, and it, it feels like it's forever because we're in it. And it's been, you know, you go back to black and white Eisenhower talking about it, and it feels like it's forever. But, man, I mean, what? Eisenhower was president when my grandparents were raising kids. So what, three generations? That's nothing. It's a blink of an eye. I think we're probably in a phase of where we'll look back at it no different than we look back at kings or we'll look back at pharaohs. And sure, it can be forever. It can be a thousand years. But it's still ultimately just a phase that ends that you learn about in a history book. So... I don't think it's all. I don't think all is lost. I think we're just in a phase right now, and it's hard to see it looking better because it's what the fuck can I do with a podcast in a bedroom? And I'm talking about taking on Raytheon. It's like, yeah, how fucking delusional can you be? I, I get it. I understand the 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 humor of this, but I think it can get better. I mean, I've, above all else, it might not even be from the goodness of hearts. It could very well just be profit motive. Someone just starts realizing, hey, brother, dude, there's a lot of fucking money for this new medevac drone fucking capabilities. Yeah, who cares? You can, you can still, you know what? You can still spend the money. Not, I'm saying we have to decrease spending, but just maybe in a transition period, we spend the same amount of much money, and then we get these guys transitioned off into new endeavors. And yeah. when they become profitable, then we cut back the federal yeah. spending and, and create a new industry, a new economy. Yeah. It's yeah. You know, it's like it's the drug industry. It's like we can't let them legalize marijuana, and it's like no, just Budweiser. Just take your distribution capabilities and just start selling pre-rolled joints. You, you smoke weed? What? No, yeah. I don't. But you could do that. <laughs> no, I used to, but still. But the point is, is like it is. You don't don't batten it out. Like you can sell that too. <laughs> like doesn't just have to be alcohol. Why instead of avoiding weed, why not lean in and take over the market? Gives a shit, right? So that's kind of my thoughts on that is is take that judo it. Take that profit motive and you can still get your dirty fucking kickbacks and all that stuff. But instead of us building a thousand B-52s, build some medevac drones. It's I mean, we yeah, can I, just, call, just call it the medical drone complex. Like it's that's so much better than the military industrial one. Yeah, just just build. Maybe we'll have too many medevacs and maybe there will be some scandals. But that's better than us just like, you know, fucking building a million JDAMs a year or something. I don't I know. Couldn't Tommy, Huff, I gotta make. I, was, I gotta go. Make I was gonna say we're gonna wrap it up because my bladder's about to explode. Huff you Kerrigan, twenty twenty eight. We are running on a ticket together. We're not gonna win, and we'll probably both be killed. But it's gonna be a glorious endeavor. If they were gonna kill me, they would have killed me already. Yeah. Well, I might not be big enough yet. And if they kill me, maybe they won't. I don't know. No, they would have killed you already. That's a good point. So you're probably free. Yeah, I'm free. They haven't decided if I'm going to go on the chopping block yet. I don't think I'm big enough yet. Um, but, guys, go into the description. Go grab his book. Don't be a communist. Go go, go support the the good Dr. Huff. And, uh, yeah, man, thanks for coming on here. And, as always, humoring my, my just totally unhinged rants and screaming. I appreciate it. I love it.
Fuck yeah, dude. Dr. Huff, thank you so much for your time. Guys, please go in the description. Go follow him on Twitter. Go grab his book. Until next time, thanks so much, man. Everybody, Recording thank you for watching. Stopped. Take care. God bless. Peace.